The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 149 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm your host, George Reedus. I want to emphasize that all opinions expressed in this show are my own and not my present or past employers. I will never disclose any sensitive intelligence that I've been privileged to as a result of my current employment. I never, never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past with the United States government. And nothing I say during this show should be construed as legal or financial advice. Before we get started, I remind our listeners that you can go online to the Cybersecurity Hub and read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at their very cool website, www.cshub.com. The Cybersecurity Hub is an online news source for global cybersecurity professionals and business leaders who leverage technology and services to secure their networks. The media professionals at the Cybersecurity Hub are dedicated to providing the latest industry news, thought leadership, and analysis in the cybersecurity space. So again, to check out a recap tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news, go to the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. So we have a very interesting guest for you uh, this evening. I know a lot of our listeners are into uh, fintech, and uh, many of you work at startups. Um, so tonight we're going to have the vice president of information security for Daily Pay, Mr. Jeffrey Hudesman, on the show with us. So as the VP of InfoSec, Jeff leads the entire cybersecurity function at Daily Pay. He's responsible for information security governance, threat intelligence risk management, strategy, architecture, and compliance. Uh, Jeff previously held global security leadership positions at Sony, PR Newswire, and Deloitte. And Jeff is a regular speaker at security conferences and serves on the advisory board for cybersecurity at Ithaca College. So it's time to welcome to the show, the Vice President of Information Security for Daily Pay, Mr. Jeffrey Hudisman. Jeff, welcome to Task Force 7 Radio. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being here. We've got a lot to talk about. I want to kick off by talking about some of the significant threats that you see. Um, so you're tasked with leading these security efforts, and, and you work for a hyper-growth fintech company. It must be like very, very difficult. It's, very, it's, very, it's a very different approach, I would imagine. What are the most significant threats that you're facing today in your company? Sure. So being in fintech and being a startup, it's, it's a very interesting thing to have to secure. We really, we really see it all. I mean, like most fintech companies are constantly targeted by criminal botnets with the intention of uh, performing account takeover, taking over user accounts, and then subsequently exfiltrating money uh, or selling those valid accounts on the black market. So whatever we can do to obviously prevent those things is obviously of paramount importance. Insider threats are something that we're definitely hot on. This is not something that's unique to daily pay, but it's something that is definitely uh, common within our industry yeah, and many others. Right. Um, and also some uh, secure remote access and uh, insecure remote behavior is, is always a concern. So, I mean, there's only so much you can do. I mean, a lot of that has to do with, you know, awareness and training, but there are other things which I think we'll, we'll get to 
later in the discussion, um, but we definitely want to make sure that users working remotely uh, can do so in a secure manner. Uh, and we also, and actually just to build on that, I mean, we do see um, threat actor TTPs pretty commonly like uh, credential stuffing, um, which for anyone that's not aware of that attack, um, the adversaries will pull uh, credentials from previous breaches from various sources, whether it be torrents or darknet or whatnot, and they will compile these lists and then, then try try those credentials on other systems to see if people are reusing credentials. Um, so it's a very common uh, thing that we see and um, we are well equipped to, to defend and um, a lot of other companies are, I think are starting to wake up to, to that threat as well. Um, targeted phishing is something that we see, um, social engineering and, and malware. Um, a lot of these things are only gotten better through time. Um, it's no longer the um, email written by someone clearly overseas, but now they are hiring uh, resources to do um, you know, copy where they could uh, sound exactly like uh, an American speaker and also use the formatting of, uh, of a bank or uh, whoever they're trying to represent or masquerade. All right. So, you know, when, when, I, when I think about fintech companies and startups, you don't have these big security teams to handle all these threats. Like you just went through some, you know, pretty broad range of threats that you're facing and, and you have to have significant, you know, uh, tools and resources to, to combat them. How do your, you and your team combat these threats? Yeah. So we are a small team in terms of security or company is uh, about 250. Uh, we do have a very robust and talented engineering team. So in addition to my resources, my security resources, I also leverage um, the expertise of our engineering team. And I do find it very important for there to be a very tight-knit relationship between those teams. I found in whether it be previous places I've worked or discussions with industry peers, sometimes it does become very adversarial and I feel like that just makes progress and defending against the aforementioned topics very difficult. So yes, yeah, so to deploy these, um, these systems to prevent account takeover and uh, combat um, insider threats, it does require a group effort. So we, at least at Daily Pay, we do have an information security committee um, and various other teams that do collaborate and deliberate on these, uh, on these threats, and we work together to make sure that we could be on the leading edge of, uh, of defending against those threats. So how do you go about motivating their technical teams to implement your security vision? I mean, you have a strategy, you, you put it in place, and you bring it to the team. How do you motivate them to uh, get all on the same page and, and get it done? Sure. So... Yeah, you know, I feel like sometimes, um, and not in our case here, fortunately, but sometimes engineers or technical folks will look at security as compliance-driven and checkboxy and auditors. And, and again, not saying that that is a bad profession. I mean, those are very, very necessary for the, uh, for the health and, um, of organizations. Um, but I do find it extremely important to really show the 
resources that you're sharing these um, recommendations with, these vulnerabilities that you found, or um, certain projects or roadmap um, things, uh, they want to know that you know what you're talking about. And not only that, though, even if they are not the decision makers, they really are supposed to be executing these things. At startups, sometimes that structure isn't as rigid as a Fortune 500 company where like, you have the CFO or the, not the CFO, but like an SVP marching around, like everybody just listens to what he says. <laughs> but here it's more, you know, if uh, an engineer or I mean at startups that I've worked for, consulted for, sometimes the engineer is just like not going to agree. Like I, we don't think this is a big issue. So I mean, maybe it's not like critical. It's something very clear, remote access, some kind of wild vulnerability. But so I feel that um, things like red teaming, and pen testing, or even just like proof of concept of showing that this is why this is a problem um, really opens their eyes. And I, I think that's definitely been a way that I've communicated this to technical resources to uh, get them to be on uh, our, our side for uh, executing security um, projects and, and, and things along those lines. So things move pretty fast at a startup. I mean, I think, you know, probably much faster than in other places. Uh, how do you establish a security culture that can be agile and flexible and work and, and really work on speed and focus on speed to handle the problems that you're going to have? Because speed's in it's so important when it comes to, to information security. What's your approach there? Sure. No, that's a great question. So I have to think it's... Uh, it's one of those things where there are obviously negative things where everyone's trying to do everything at once. The business is trying to tackle different work streams and we're pursuing different customers and we're just building new technology. And it's like, okay, we have a new security guy, it's new security team, like just like stay out of our way. Again, that's not, <laughs> I'm not speaking uh, to daily pay specifically, but that's generally the mindset a lot of these startups. But I like to think of it as a positive thing where I can now start fresh, completely fresh. We're starting this company. We have a mission. It's obviously security is not number one, unless we're like Fort Knox or doing like a bank or something, but it's, it's very close to number one. And sometimes executive leadership might not understand that. I mean, I was fortunate where at Daily Pay they do, but my tactic for uh, being able to kind of permeate the importance of security is really meeting with everybody, uh, having discussions with leadership, uh, meeting with the engineering teams, and just uh, understanding their work streams, understanding kind of what they're doing every day and how they plan to uh, build out their respective departments and see where I can wedge security in. And other things, so that's, I think, probably a more effective, one of the more effective approaches at that. And also I think, and this I find this, this holds true for executives, silly things like, I mean, it's not a silly thing, it's a it's very common practice, but in, you know, compared to other security controls, it is like phishing simulation. Like that is, um, is one of those things where I've had in the past where a CFO was just very entertained by the, and again, like, I mean, he, he definitely saw the value in it, but he's very entertained by it. And, and then that, now we've kind of forged this relationship where he was now kind of interested in security and the kind of, so th things like that, or just finding a news article that, um, 
is directly, directly related to either a department or an executive, something that they may have talked about, just really get some thinking um, because nobody wants to be that next company to have some major ransomware situation or something like that. So it's really, you just need to, to identify with them. And I've seen so many security professionals in the past just go and follow the procedure that they'll see in some certification textbook where it's like you conduct the vulnerability scan, you send the scan over to the, uh, the engineers, and then they're supposed to fix it all. But unfortunately, it doesn't really work that way. I mean, you really just need to build these relationships, make sure that the people that you are uh, requesting resources from or um, assistance from really understand where you're coming from. They know that you know what you're talking about, and um, then I find you can be a lot more successful. So you mentioned certifications before. How valuable are these security certifications such as like SOC 2, Type 2, or ISO 27001, which I'm very familiar with? Are they worth pursuing for startups? I know a lot of like, like there's some financial institutions, some bigger institution out there that, you know, have the ISO 27001 certification. doesn't hurt. I think it's good to show uh, where they are in a certain levels. But how, what do you think for startups? Yeah, so I mean, we were in that situation, and um, SOC 2, I find, is at least from, I mean, I, I think that the assessment of this is twofold. You have, you know, optics, and then you have, you know, real security. And from an optics standpoint, I do find that partners um, really find, or customers or clients of ours, find a lot of value that we go through. So we, we currently are, we have several, excuse me, we have, we're SOC 2 Type 2, we have ISO 27001 as well. Actually, we're, we're you know, finishing that up now. We're currently being audited. And um, PCI, um, HIPAA, and, and others. Um, so I, I think it's a great thing to give yeah, again, clients assurance that we ha we meet this, but we're getting it tested by a third party. So it's not just a security questionnaire that I receive and or somebody from my team fills out and we send it back or even questionnaires that I send to other teams uh, if I'm vetting a product. Because um, there's always like language in the contract saying like, well, if you, uh, you know, we do this the best that we possibly can. So like the questionnaire, I mean, to be fully forthright here, like I do not find much value in those you know, questionnaires. It's like 300 to 800 questions yeah. I've seen before. Right. Right, I feel right. like there's a much better way to assess risk. Um, and I do find that SOC 2 does a decent job and, and ISO does a decent job. I mean, SOC is a little, um, it's, I guess maybe a little more technical in nature. They want to see things are repeatable. And, and in ISO, they, they want to see that like, Security isn't just by being run by one or two or three people within the company. We want to see the risks are communicated up to the executive leadership team. They are weighing in. So, you know, at least in our company, we have a, a risk committee. We have an information security committee. We call the ISC, the steering committee. And when we deliberate, we talk about these issues. And some of them are really are low priority. And uh, But we still, it's... It's not my job to make every single decision uh, about risk. It's my job to articulate everything, give my opinion. But all in all, we, um, we, we leverage these committees that really came from ISO 27001. I mean, that's just a requirement of that cert. 
So to answer your question, I think they are the best possible thing you can do as a startup if you have the resources and, and, and the talent internally to be able to um, you know, build out um, a compliant program. But I think, and just, to add, and just to add one more thing to that, we were talking about how do we motivate the engineers or the um, IT folks or HR, because obviously a lot of security controls relate to HR. How do we motivate them to do things that they might not perceive to be that important? And maybe they're not that important, but they are, they do fall in some type of level of risk. And this is a way to go to them and say, well, listen, like, I know you don't really believe in this. I personally do, and but it's a SOC 2 requirement. So like, we need this done because it's very important for our you know, credibility to be able to show it to, to clients. So it does give us a bit of leverage to be able to uh, have that when we work with departments and, and get them as uh, compliant as possible. All right, folks, we got to transition into a commercial break here, but stick with us. Lots more to come here on this episode of Task Force 7 Radio. So, hey, if you're a social media junkie, don't forget to follow TF7 Radio on your favorite social media platform. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and even Instagram by searching at TF7 Radio, and you'll be immediately connected to the extended TF7 family. For any inquiries regarding sponsoring the show or suggestions for topics or guests, please email me directly at george.redis at tf7radio.com. That's george.redis at tf7, that's with the number 7, radio.com. I want to remind our audience that we're building the world's premier cybersecurity professional network, Task Force 7. I'm really excited about this, folks. Tune in over the next several months for more information on this much-needed and much-awaited-for network. We're going to solve some problems together, I promise you. Task Force 7, get in the fight. We're going to pause for some quick messages from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with our special guest, the Vice President of Information Security at Daily Pay, Mr. Jeffrey Hoodisman. Whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You can't see it. You can't smell it. You can't taste it. But it can bankrupt your company. It's internal risk. Insider fraud, ethics violations, and remote workforce risk have plunged many a company into reputational crisis. Don't be one of them. The corporate investigative team at Bluecoat have managed cybersecurity and risk mitigation in the White House, Silicon Valley, and everywhere in between. To see how Bluecoat can help protect you, visit TrustBlueCoat.com. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Sinet, S-I-N-E-T. 
In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with our special guests the Vice President of Information Security for Daily Pay, Mr. Jeffrey Hudesman. So, Jeff, uh, I re- I'm a big believer in the intelligence-led strategy. I'm a, a big believer that intelligence is really the tip of the spear when it comes to information security and protecting your organization. How important is intelligence sharing and keeping up with security news in, in a startup in a fintech company? Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I mean, it's, it's absolutely paramount for us to be able to, and just starting with security news, uh, there are a lot of great sources out there, uh, open source sources, where you can see what's really happening, taking in a consensus of what are the threats um, that are facing companies like ours. So then we can subsequently come up with plans and, and, and incorporate that in our security program. Uh, in addition to that, we I, I definitely value, and I'm, I'm a member of many um, cyber threat coalitions, uh, in addition to the, the InfraGuard that um, is affiliated with the FBI, um, to just see what other people are seeing. I mean, we're, we're all in this together. Uh, it's something that I do find really fantastic that even companies that are uh, competitors in, in many respects, they do, from a cyber standpoint, will uh, work together to to. Uh, combat cyber threats. So I think finding out what's going on out there, it becomes less of the the boogeyman, like this is a big security problem, kind of what we were talking about earlier, where it's like you go to your um, engineer and say, this is a the huge problem, you need to fix this, and nobody really knows why, but if we have intel saying that this is actively being exploited in the wild, this is something that people are seeing, 
Um, we fall into the same vertical as this particular company. Um, it definitely elevates the risk to us and uh, its priority. So uh, I think it's, it's, it's extremely important. Yeah, I have to agree. And I think there's a lot of companies that really don't understand the importance of intelligence and where it sits in the information security life cycle. Uh, it sits at every phase of the life cycle, in my opinion. Absolutely. And, and, and it's, I think it's volatile a lot of times. It's, it's unpredictable sometimes. Um, but certainly, without it, how can you make real good uh, critical business decisions? It's really difficult without the information, the intelligence out there. And attribution is important. I mean, I'm, I'm going to keep saying it on the show. I know there's a lot of there's a lot of very you know highly respected information security professionals out there that say attribution doesn't matter. It's the old school thinking. Let's just do the root cause analysis and mitigate the threat. But sure. you know, I, I just I don't believe that really. Um, how about red teaming? Uh, what do you think about red teaming? I mean, how, how, what's your approach with red teaming, uh, and how aggressive do you get with that? I think it's one of the most important things that I've done in my career thus far. I mean, I do come from a background where I did some penetration testing and red teaming early on. Um, not something I do anymore. Um, but it's one of those things where if really, really we want to do a threat model, we want to simulate um, the uh, ability for a threat actor to maybe exfil data from a certain environment or for them to cause some type of denial of service condition. It's really it counters to pen testing where pen testing is basically just like breaking into this web app or breaking into this XYZ thing. Uh, red teaming is more objective based. It's like, we need you to do this. You're assigned this. And like, I'm not sure if you've heard that uh, issue with um, the coal fire experience where they were actually conducting a red team exercise, more physical related. And there was a controversy around the scope of engagement and they, um, Anyway, they subsequently got into a little bit of trouble, but think, uh, fortunately, uh, it's all been mitigated. Um, but I do find that being able to have, the, and for me, I think quality of the testers is is paramount to have. No, some, talent's always key. Talent's always yeah. key in every information security, right? Because when it comes to like doing a pen test or I'm sorry, just doing a red team with like some run of the mill firm where it's like some kid right out of college, again, not saying the kid out of college might, he'd be the best in the world, but if he's just, just learning how to do it, you're not going to get a great test. It might be fine for PCI or it might be fine for your, your certifications, but I, I'd rather get 10 findings than get two findings that mean very little. So, yeah, I think it's a variety of skill sets on the pen test. You need, you need to constantly have your team learning too. I mean, you want the, you know, I mean, I work with some companies that had hundreds of pen testers, hundred, like over a hundred, right. over a hundred on one information security team, just doing pen testing, right? You know, the red team. Sure. So, yeah, I think it's a really important part of it. A lot of people, you know, related to offensive security. It's really not, you know, um, yeah. but you can say that, you know, I mean, like, it's a way to classify a type of security function within the organization, fine. Um, but yeah, it's really important. Um, how about, you know, how about regu uh, regulatory requirements? So, I mean, I think that startups operating in less regulated industries or without these certification requirements that we were just talking about, they lack the leverage sometimes to go to their boards and go to their decision makers and say, hey, look, I need this money to, you know, build up these resources and mature this program. Whereas people who are more regulated can sometimes fall back on that 
and say, hey, look, I want to mitigate this risk. But just so you know, it's also a regulatory risk. And if we don't do this, you know, this is going to be the consequence as well. And it's going to be a certain consequence, not a maybe consequence. Right. How, how do these CISOs and security leaders properly execute their mission in these environments? Yeah, so absolutely. And I think it just goes back to a lot of the things we were saying earlier um, when it comes to um, being able to properly articulate and really get the uh, stakeholders, whether it be executives or whether it be the engineers themselves, and really educating them on the threats. Maybe security awareness and training will get bolstered or certain types of social engineering um, awareness training and simulation can be used. It's just really important to immerse the company without bombarding them because they obviously have jobs to do, uh, but to really explain to them that this is an issue um, we're seeing it out there, as we said, with again, like with, um, with shared intelligence or uh, open source intelligence from news fees and whatnot. Um, so I mean, in, in one hand, they might make things a little quote unquote easier in, in the sense that you don't have to follow these rigid like 300 requirement controls or some of which might not be super important to us. Um, but yeah, I think it's just very, very important to really permeate the need um, of security to, and, and you just don't want to be that company where you have a breach and then that's what really is the catalyst for um, building out a security program. I think, at least in my experience, if you, if you really spend the time with key stakeholders and, and, and staff and really just explain what's going on um, and how easy it is to just take a few extra steps to, to secure not only your work environment, your work assets and your work information, but even your personal stuff. Is there, they really kind of are one and the same in, in some regard. I mean, a lot of the threats are the same. So it's just really, I find it to be resonating with the employees. Um, I don't like um, resorting to like scare tactics or like we're gonna contact your boss kind of thing. I just, I don't think that really works. So it's really just, uh, educating um, and ensuring that people understand how important it is to uh, be as uh, compliant or not compliant, but as um, following our policy as much as possible. Well, yeah, it's basic hygiene, right? If you follow basic cybersecurity hygiene, you're going to probably prevent 80% of these attacks, I think. Yeah, and um, if you use a password manager, I think that's yeah. probably like 95, I mean, not that high, but like very high. Yeah, <laughs> right. like, password manager, you know, it's just you know, the basics, right? If you do exactly. the basics and you're, you know, if you're patching your networks and you're keeping track of your inventory and it's sure. up to date and people, you know, dot and I's crossing the T's, you're going to be better off than a lot of people who don't do a lot of this stuff. So what are the key risks that startups should keep an eye out for over the next couple of years, looking into the next 24 months or so? Yeah, so... This is an interesting one. So in terms of startups, again, we're, we're always, and especially targets that deal with, you know, capital and uh, like FinTech startups and startups that have access to very sensitive information or trade secrets and whatnot. The adversaries are obviously well aware of that. They know that there's not a 500 person, 5,000, maybe 5,000 sounds a little bit much, but outside of the Intel community, but um, hundreds of uh, team members is much different than a handful. So they're going to make those assumptions and say, wait a second, they're probably not doing, they're probably not looking at their AWS configuration and maybe there's an S3 bucket that's open. Or maybe there's, so I think 
searching for misconfigurations is uh, definitely going to be something. So that's why I really, um, so I really, to me, that's the major threat is it's always assumed that these smaller companies are not as secure as the bigger ones. And that's not always the case. I mean, we're reading stories about these tremendous banks that get breached. Um, but uh, I do think that startups need to realize that they are a target and they need to um, cover all these foundational, all those major foundational controls um, because they are being probed and they are. Um, I, so I do believe that it is worth that investment in security, despite what the founders might want to just invest in growth and, and things like that. But I think it's important to make a really good case to say that we're going to lose all of this if we don't do this properly. So how about emerging technologies? How does that play into a, a, a startup? I mean, where do you see automation and artificial intelligence and some other things, you know, machine learning and contributing in cybersecurity in these spaces? Sure. So yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And I, I would always chuckle. I mean, I've been going to the black hats and the RSAs for the past seven, eight years. Um, these have clearly, you know, been buzzwords. It's, um, I mean, obviously there are, um, security researchers. I mean, a best friend of mine's a PhD and uh, focuses on computer vision. I mean, and this is this is stuff that's like obviously a, a science. But when it comes to cybersecurity, and you hear about these vendors, and then their first words out of their mouths are AI, and you know, it almost sounds like a like a Minority Report type situation. Um, that was really a turnoff, and I think that even the impartial tests of these uh, solutions were basically saying that like there really isn't much of this machine learning, artificial intelligence and, and advanced emerging stuff. But now as time progresses, I'm starting to see, and at least in some of the platforms that we've tested and that we're actually using are employing this technology. And it's very impressive. I mean, they're, again, I'm sure we're just scratching the surface at this point, but some of the predictive um, models that will assess whether somebody trying to get to our website is bad or good, or we don't know, um, is very smart. And um, I think these, these technologies are definitely maturing and um, I'm definitely very much looking forward to seeing where they go. So how, how much of an issue is shadow IT? And, and what can be done to address it in your mind, in your view? It's really absolutely terrifying. I mean, it's one of the, it's one of the <laughs> things that I, I think it's the bane of my existence. I, it's one of the, I mean, I'm fortunate that I feel like the culture, at least in my current company at Daily Pay, people genuinely care and they, and they realize that like, I've just kind of rammed security down their throats. So they know, like, I feel like somebody like, you know, something weird happens on their computer that's clearly IT related, I'll get a phone call saying, hey, Jeff, is this okay? So I like that, like, we built that culture. I mean, I guess I kind of like it, not getting, you know, but whatever, I'm okay with the call every once in a while. So in terms of, again, shadow IT, um, when a department is just, especially in startup environments where there isn't a formal process with IT where you fill out a, you know, some type of request, you submit a ticket and the IT team will scope out here. It's like, especially living in the world of SaaS, uh, you could just, you know, put in your credit card and boom, you have this now uh, 
repository of potentially highly sensitive data. So in the realm of uh, compliance and in the realm of um, just secure reputation and, 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 contra and contractual agreements. I mean, in agreements, all companies are saying that these are the companies are subcontractors. Well, this XYZ company that's uh, Joe Schmo just, you know, signed up for with his corporate card is not part of that. So um, I do think that's a lot of security awareness. I do think that's a lot of monitoring of corporate card expenditures and, and things that we're able to do to prevent it. But it's, it's one of those things where that's, and, and I don't like obviously advocate for using disciplinary action, um, and go overboard with that. But these are things that would um, be in a situation where that could lead to something along those lines. All right, Jeff, we got to take a short break here to hear from our sponsors, but don't go away, folks. We'll be right back with our special guest, the Vice President of Information Security for Daily Pay, Mr. Jeffrey Hoodisman. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 Hacker Innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community, advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at Secure security-innovation.org or Google Sinet, S-I-N-E-T. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's Task Force 7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with our special guest, the Vice President of Information Security for Daily Pay, Mr. Jeffrey Hoodisman. So, so Jeff, what advice can you offer up to startups on how to build a security team? Because it's, it's not a, you're not going to have a huge security team, and you, 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 you only have so many resources that the company can pay for. What are those resources going to do? What kind of expertise do they have? What kind of skill sets do they have? What advice? Yeah, I mean, I think you really need a jack of all trades to start. Someone who has the ability to get their hands dirty, someone who could um, at least has cursory knowledge of how operating systems works outside of Windows and, and just learning how the core technology and product works. Um, because I think, it's, as we said before, it's very difficult to be a part of the conversation if you're not really proficient in exactly how everything operates. So I do find that to be very, very important. But this person also needs to be able to articulate and um, speak to executive leadership and and communicate risks and work with uh, senior level. So this is really, um, they really have to have that, you know, quote unquote, jack of all trades um, mentality. In addition to that, I think that coming from there, you'll probably want to take on someone's, depending on the business. I mean, obviously it's not just like, this is the security team for any company and it always, depending on the size, I mean, depends on the manufacturing, is it some type of tech startup? Um, but I do find that application security and incident response and uh, secure DevOps and things along those lines and, and really baking the security team into every information security related, which is almost everything these days, uh, field um, will, will lead you to success. But I think it's really, as opposed to being in a large Fortune 500 company uh, that has uh, one person doing one thing, I mean, I'm oversimplifying that, but they, they just say siloed. Yeah, I, like, I, think, I, I get it. Like, I think it's difficult what you're describing. It's an enormous challenge, especially, you know, with the talent crisis out here. And I think, you know, oh, yeah. there's a, there, there, is, there is a war for talent. And it's at the, it's at the, I would say the lower levels, um, you know, where it's really difficult, uh, say the VP levels, the SVP levels, things like that. AVP is like a, you know, AVP level is a huge battle for talent. I see sure. people stealing each other's <laughs> AVPs like crazy, you know, young <laughs> people who are learning, who are well-trained and you don't have to pay them as much, you know, I mean, they, you know, people are really fighting for that kind of talent. What you're describing here. Is especially it, 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 we think cybersecurity has about twelve different domains, right? Yeah, and and in 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 information security, I should say, and out of those domains, I mean, some people who work in those specific domains don't know anything about another domain. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. I mean, pen testing is not a skill set that everybody knows about. Like, not everybody can be a, a pen tester, right? You just, you describe operating systems. It's difficult to find someone who has knowledge about different operating systems and still has. Um, uh, you know, background experience knows what to do in data loss protection or identity access management or application security management. 
or even in you know other kind of uh, more foundational cybersecurity practices like intelligence and incident response. You know, it's really, really difficult. So I don't know how, I mean, it's, I can't imagine the challenge. I mean, how do you, here's another challenge. Talk about persuasion, negotiation, um, the soft skills. How do you influence the security leaders on your boards, right? How do you communicate with them the importance of cybersecurity uh, and what it could do to the company? How do, what's your approach with them? Because these, these are not, you know, huge Fortune 500 companies. These are smaller boards. They're very, very protective over finances, right? They have to be in order to survive and get the company going. What's the approach? Yeah, so that's definitely a challenge. But it's something that I do think I do very well, where I just try and make sure that, I mean, the scope of the skill set in the room is going to vary pretty greatly. You're going to have people that don't understand what an IP address is, and you have people that graduated with a computer science degree. So for me, it's very, very much important to articulate where we are, what we've done, why we've done it that way, and major risks that we do need to address. And I think that just putting in plain English and not just becoming that presentation where, okay, thanks Jeff. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll see you soon. And like nothing was retained. I'd rather say a little bit less, but everybody walks out of that room saying, okay, wow, like that's actually really important what uh, Jeff's team is doing. Um, and, but again, in, I've always been of the mindset where I hear a lot of secure leaders say like, we need to get as much budget as we can. And, I mean, I'm always of the mindset where, like, I, I need the budget that I need. So I would never go and try and oversell. Yeah, you lose face real quick. People don't understand. Once you lose the trust and confidence of the of the board, and you're you know you're done. Absolutely, you're, you're not going to get anything right. So you really have to have that balance, I think, um, to move forward. And another thing too, I want to I want to ask you about business alignment. You know, I mean, in a startup company. Um, I guess understanding the product roadmap is important, but when you ask people that are information security, a lot of them, sometimes I just ask them, so how does the line of business make money? No, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's really, that's the answer you get a lot of times. I really don't know. Well, how, how do they make money? How do they, you know, how do they, if they're, if they're a financial, how do they move money? If they're a um, retail company, like how do they sell products? And, and you know, how does that work? I mean, I, 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 you really have to sit down and ask them, have you ever looked at the business strategy and you have ever looked at the technology strategy that gives the business the, the, the technology they need to, uh, you know, balance their, their P&L and make money and be profitable because you have to secure that technology, right? So there's really three different strategies that we have to work on here. What are your, you know, what are the benefits of actually getting people to be business aligned in, in a, a smaller startup? Yeah, I mean, it's extremely important. I find it, it's paramount to get my team to join any meetings that, I mean, like within, a, within reason of other departments to really learn what they're doing. And this isn't one of those things where we could just say we're doing it and like it sounds great and like I put it on um, you know, our accomplishments list. But it's extremely important to be able to um, have my team understand exactly how things are working. How do you think companies have that in place today? Do you think other startups have people in the information security departments who understand how the, how the business makes money? Yeah, I think in, in some cases they do, and I think in some cases they don't. But I think in terms of product, I mean, product, they are, in, as much as they are looking out for the company, and I, 
there's obviously no malintent there. Their job is to build a functional product that people are going to use. And it's my job to, obviously I want that as well, but I also don't want our uh, employees that are using the platform, our users, to get stolen from. So there has to be a happy medium and I have to know enough about the product itself to be able to make intelligent points. Otherwise, it's just like they're going to go back to their um, you know, executive leader and say, and Jeff keeps saying that we you know, need some kind of security, but I, I don't even know what he's asking. So I do have to, it's very important that um, there's direct alignment of, um, right. in terms of, of knowledge to be able to uh, affect change in that way. So you've been given a lot of advice on this show tonight. What's a valuable piece of security advice that you've received recently? <laughs> yeah, so that's a, yeah, it's like it's a really good yeah. question. Um, it just it, it almost it almost comes back to um, some like a quote that I read recently, which is not quite advice, but it's it's close enough. Where and and I, and I have been repeating this a lot, where it's like everything in security seems completely excessive. Like everyone's looking at you, like they walk by your your, your desk or and like. It's like, what is this big, you know, appliance that you're plugging in? This, like, I mean, is this really necessary? Is this like security review necessary? Everything is excessive until there's a major problem. And that's really what our, our security is. I mean, like we are defending and protecting against things that happen very rarely. They are possible. Um, and, and that's just a very tricky part of the job. So just articulating that to um, folks that maybe push back or folks that... Um, are just interested or giving you a hard time <laughs> um, is I, I do find to be very important. So um, it's a very interesting field that we're in. Um, some people, I guess, right off the bat, don't quite understand how important it is. Um, but I think that's changing. Hey, Jeff, I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Thanks. I can't wait to have you back. Thanks, Thanks so much for having me. Hey, thanks for taking the time. All right, folks, it's, it's time to go. But before we do, I want to remind our listeners to visit the Cybersecurity Hub to read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at www.cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Stay frosty out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.